All right. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here at Eastside City Church, where we have been going through our summer series so far. This is uh, week three. Hopefully you've been uh, enjoying it so far. Uh, if you've missed them, hey, feel free to check them out online. We'll kind of go through there. We are exploring uh, the book of Proverbs and just all that it has for us. And as I was thinking about the series, I wish someone had told me, it, it naturally just got me thinking about all the things that I wish someone had told me, right? And so you might have had that as well. And so uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for like life hacks. Anytime things come up on my social media on YouTube and it's like, check out this life hack, check out this tool hack, check out this kitchen hack. And then they're telling you creative ways to bend cords and make things and different things. I'm like, oh, yes, I want to know, I want to know. Uh, I'm, I'm always looking at those things. And I kind of created, created my own list of things that I wish someone had told me that maybe are not quite as serious. Before we get to the book of Proverbs, you guys interested in a little list? Okay, thank you. Suzanne, uh, one person is interested. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, the first thing I wish someone had told me uh, as a young married man was about decorative pillows on your bed. Yeah. I wish somebody would have told me how important those were to my wife. Uh, gentlemen, I'm proud to say there are no decorative pillows on my master bedroom. Thank you. Don't, don't clap for that. Don't clap for that. That was a bad mistake on my part. That was a battle that I won that I should not have won, and I should have just let it go, and there should probably be decorative pillows in my master bedroom. Uh, so that, that's something I wish, I wish someone would have told me. Uh, there was something someone did tell me. Uh, thankfully, I have people who loved me a lot enough in my life to tell me this, that uh, no amount of body spray can substitute a shower. No matter. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if maybe there's, there's maybe some teenagers here today and you just need to hear that today, that there is, there's no substitute for just a shower, just, just no amount. No amount of Axe spray can cover that. So uh, there's there. Uh, speaking of showers, though, uh, a loofah, loofah was a game changer for me. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's gentlemen here where you maybe haven't bought into that. I remember the first time my wife got me a loofah. Uh, and ladies, if uh, your husband's really confused right now, you can go ahead and explain to them what a loofah is. It was, uh, it was a game changer for me. Uh, I wish I had it when I was younger and you're trying to lather up all that soap and get your body actually cleaned and washed. And uh, man, loofah's the game changer. I, I know it's not the most masculine thing and you might be thinking here, Yes, there's no way. That's right. Whenever I went to youth campouts or went over to my, my friend's house, the loofah stayed home because uh, I didn't feel like it was cool enough to bring to, my, to the campout. But uh, it's a game changer. So if you don't know that, uh, ladies, go buy a man a loofah. If you're a single gentleman, go buy yourself a loofah. Okay, other, other things a little more serious in nature here. Uh, I, wish, I wish somebody had told my family about how destructive Monopoly can be. How destructive. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your family has the ability to play these games. Nobody takes anything personally. It's just, oh, cool, I'm bankrupt. No big deal. No, in my, in my family, we would have, like, game night. We would bust out Monopoly. We stopped busting it out a long time ago. When I was a kid growing up, like, it was, it was personal. 
it was personal. So we would get in there and it was just like, hey, why did you do that, man? You got boardwalk and you got park place and you got all your fancy railroads and your, all these things. And I just got Vermont and Connecticut. And man, like, come on, I got nothing here. Don't you put a hotel on there. It was, it was serious. And then you'd roll and go to jail again. Repeat offender. I was like, ah. Oh. Uh, Uno. Uno was another one. Man, we, we would play Uno, and it was like, you meant to play that plus four. You've been waiting for them to reverse the direction just to get that plus four. You're upset at me because I ate all the Fruit Loops this morning at breakfast. Why do you eat all the Fruit Loops at breakfast? That's right, I did. But I left you a corn pop. That's right, <laughs> one single corn pop. And all the crumbs at the bottom of the bag that make your milk all lumpy. Take that and your plus four. Game night was serious in my family. I wish somebody had warned me. Like we had, we would have to have like communion after game night just to sort out offenses. It made me a better person, I think. I think. I also don't really play Monopoly anymore either. But so I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm working through things. I wish, I wish that there was somebody who could come to my door, preferably who was from the future, and tell me what I was or was not capable of. Like for all those home repairs that I'm thinking about doing that my wife would like me to do, I just want somebody to tell me like, hey, Michael, yeah, you've been thinking about fixing that garage door. You can do that. Go for it. It's going to be easy fix. But Michael, Michael, in three days' time, you're going to call me. Your washing machine is going to be in 100 pieces on the laundry room floor. I'm here to tell you, don't start that repair. Don't go near, just give me a call. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Think about your children. <laughs> Think about the dirty clothes. I wish. I wish someone told me. There's lots of different things, and they can be trivial, not really that life-changing. But I think today as we dive into God's word, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse, starting at verse 20. And as we look at this proverb, I believe it has the ability to transform our life. And I don't mean that in some sort of infomercial type of way. I mean that just as when we look at what he is trying to share with us, then when we understand this passage, it can change and transform our life. And so I want to read this today, Proverbs chapter 4, starting at verse 20. And he starts off by saying, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And we're going to look at those verse 23 to 27 today and just really look at what it means for us to, to guard our heart, watch what we say, and weigh our decisions. And so let me pray before we go any further. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have given us the book of Proverbs, Lord, as, as a help a guide for our life, Father God, and the things that we choose to do. Father, would you be with us today, Lord, in all that we do? We thank you for this. Amen.
Well, uh, a while ago, I had somebody that I hadn't talked to in a long time, in a number of years, come up to me, and we began to have this conversation. And I realized through the conversation that they had been incredibly offended by something I had done years ago, by something I had said. And I was, I was naturally, I was taken back. I was like, whoa, crazy, what, what did I do? And I didn't realize that I had offended this person, and I thought we were on, on good terms. And, and so they began to share. And, and as it came out, I realized that the, a decision I had made had really hurt them and impacted them. And, and I had kind of made a decision based off of some things that I had seen. And, and, and out of that, I, I began to go home and I began processing this. And I was like, man, what? they were hurt by this. And man, that, that was frustrating to me because I was like, man, I'm like, I'm not, I want people to like me. Like, man, they don't like me. And I just, uh, what do I got to do about that? And all of a sudden, as I debrief this thing and I go back through and I'm trying to weigh my heart, my actions, the words that I say, and I, I realize I'm like, you know, I, if I had to do everything over again, I would do it the exact same way. And one of the things that's going on here is that they are frustrated at me because of something that happened, but there's something going on inside of them that's causing them to be offended at me. And, and that can seem like a really arrogant statement from myself to be like, hey, it's not me, it's you. But it took a long time to process that. And I also realized that, and I know that to be true, because I know that sometimes even in my own life, I can be like that. In my own life, there are times where I've been offended at people, and there are things that I've, I've done as a response to the condition of my heart. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever had this moment where maybe you, you realize that you haven't guarded your heart the way you should. That maybe there are some things growing in there that you need to get rid of, or maybe there's some things that are dying that you need to nourish. And, it, and at times we can have our guard up so high that we don't let the good in, and sometimes we don't have any guard, and things just are given free reign. And I, I just wonder, I wonder if today if we were to sit down together and have a conversation and we go through pleasantries and we go through all the serious questions of life like cats or dogs and, uh, you know, what's your favorite hockey team? And uh, then we go through, you know, do you put the toppings on top of the cheese pizza or do you put the cheese on top afterwards? And we get through all these serious questions and then, and then we kind of got to that, that question of the heart. Like, how's your soul? How's your heart really doing? And, and I have no doubt that there would be some of you here today and you would say, hey, my heart's doing good. I'm, I'm in a good place. No problems, Michael. But I think for the majority of us, we probably have these areas in our life that if we were honest, we'd say, man, that, that question comes with a lot of mental and emotional baggage. There's a lot of things that are kind of going on. And if I'm honest with you, I'd say that there are some times where I've made decisions based off of my feelings because of the condition of my heart. And we know this. We know that feelings are a really good indicator of where we're at, but they're a poor navigator. They're a really good indicator of where my heart might be at or where, what I'm feeling in that particular moment. But, but we don't want to be living our life based off of our feelings. And a lot of our feelings are based off of what's going on in our heart. And so what's the condition of our heart? 
I think a healthy heart balances and properly prioritizes our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. And uh, if we look at the heart here today, it's not just this passage isn't just about how, who, to, who to fall in love with and whether we should trust somebody or not. I, I remember I used this passage a lot of times when uh, teenagers would come up to me and they'd be like, Michael, I just love her. I'm in love with her. And I'd be like, guard your heart, man. Guard your heart, man. Or the girl would be like, ah, he's just so awesome and I love him. And be like, guard your heart, girl. Guard your heart. But this passage isn't just talking about be careful who you fall in love with or be careful about who you trust because this idea of the heart also refers to our values. It encompasses our, our, our thoughts, will, and emotions, but it also talks about our mental, emotional capacity and, and what we value. And so read that into the passage. When, when we get to that verse 23, if we were to say, guard your values, above all else, for they determine the course of your life. Guard your values above all else, for they determine the course of your life. And so we, we want, as believers, we want to be able to guard what's going on in our heart. We want to be able to cultivate and nourish things that we should be. We want to be able to guard and, and keep out what shouldn't be there, that we're going to, hey, we don't want things choking up our, our love and our joy for other things. But there's something else going on here as well in this passage. And it continues on in verse 24. And it says this, avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. And that just reminded me of a passage in Luke 6, verse 45. And it says this, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. How's your heart? Have you considered, have you considered lately what you value in how you talk about other people? Have you considered that? Do you find, you ever find yourself mimicking how other people talk? Now, I, I don't know if I, I used to think I was like the only one who did it. And then the more I talk to people, they're like, oh, yeah, I sometimes will be around these people. And then I start talking. I pick up phrases that they say. And I use the slang that they use. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's not me. And uh, I remember one time my, my wife turning to me and being like, uh, honey, I know you've been around your brother because you're starting to talk like him. And I was like, that's a good thing, right, honey? <laughs> right? Right, honey? Right? And, uh, and there's all sorts of things. But uh, our speech can be impacted by those things around us. I love rap music. Yeah, yeah okay. Well, I got one, one rap music person. They're like, I don't know, is that a surprise? Is that a joke? Is that a punchline? No. I like rap music when I'm working out. Uh, I mean, hey, if I'm preparing a sermon, I've got like the beautiful classical worship music on or something like that, something to bring in, bring in the spirit and feel like I'm talking to Jesus. Uh, but when I'm working out, when I, I'm not working out to Waymaker or raise a hallelujah, hey, love those songs, love worship, uh, love the worship team, uh, not working out to that music. And so uh, I, I'll listen to my rock music, I'll listen to my rap music, and uh, I think it's Christian most of the time, at least when I can understand what it's saying. And uh, here's, here's the thing. I, I, li I feel like I got to justify my rap music now because you guys gave me such a bad response. So I like, I like my rap music because here's the thing. 
I can find out about somebody's entire life in like one verse. Like in one, in one rap song, I know like what neighborhood they live in. I know what hospitals they visited. I know what prison they've been to. Like I know all this stuff about them. Like I feel, feel like I have a personal connection with them. There's an, country music. There's entire country albums dedicated to one summer, to one problem, to one breakup, and we still don't even have a conclusion. Rap music, I know what's happening. I know what's taking place. And sometimes I pretend like I can like rap along to the music, but you really can't, like I'm just too white and slow to do it. And so I'll be there and like, I just kind of like mumble the words and you're kind of there and you're like, took a trip to the dark side, drift off them, long ride. All night I pray, tongue tied, in a fight with a pit bull. And I'm like, I, I don't know why I'm in a fight with a pit bull, but I really like this beat. There's a problem with rap music, though. There's a problem with rap music, at least for me, is uh, there, there's, like, not a lot of rap music for pastors <laughs> with three kids and, and a family. I, like, I'm, I listen to this stuff, and I'm like, I like the beat, and I will continue to listen to this, but I do not relate at all to any of this anymore. There was a time where I did, but I don't anymore. Uh, why, why are we talking about rap music, Michael? Well, mostly because I thought I would convince you uh, that maybe you want to take up listening to Christian rap music, uh, but, but because of this, because I think that music is just one of the many things that influences us. It's a long list of the novels we read and the movies we watch and the podcasts and the audiobooks and your coworkers and the atmosphere that you surround yourself with that influences how we talk. And so maybe you're like, it's okay, I don't li listen to the bad rap music that Pastor Michael does. Uh, but what other areas do you have influencing you? What other things? And, and I would say this, that we realize that the words that we say don't ultimately define us. They don't define us. They can have a very strong impact, but they are a really good indicator of what's going on in our heart. And so while it doesn't define us, it, it indicates what's going on in our heart. And James, in chapter 3, verse 5, he writes this. He says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force to set on fire by a small spark. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And the overarching point that James is making isn't necessarily the power of the tongue, although it has great power. He's saying, your speech indicates a lot. And I once was challenged with this by a prof, and he said this to me. He said, Michael, your criticism, your skepticism, your praise or adoration about other people speaks more about who you are as a person than them. How we talk about other people is more of an indicator of us than of them. And as believers, I think as we're looking to level up our wisdom, as we're looking to say, yeah, I want to get, get better at this, we need to look at our speech. And does it lift up and does it bring life and honor? Is it necessary? Or are we gossiping about things that aren't necessary? It's a, it's a mark of wisdom 
to really know that there's somebody here who's protecting our reputations. And I think this as well, that the same way people talk about others to you is the way that they are going to talk to others about you. And I remember one time somebody coming to me and they started talking about somebody else. And and I had this moment where I was like, I bet that the same way you are talking to me about them, you are going over on the other side and you are talking about me the same way. And so I'm going to be really careful about what I say in this moment. But it was a challenge as well because I've got to ask myself, Michael, am I building people up? Because here's, here's something about me is that I love to just be like, I just call it how I see it. Here's that. I, I'm just, I'm just going to call it how, I'm just telling the truth. As if that gives me just free reign to say whatever I want. Well, it's the truth. And God has just been looking to, to take some things out of my heart and cultivate other things so that I am speaking what is going to build up, that I would capitalize on moments to build people up and not tear down. So here we go. We've been going through this proverb. We're going to guard our heart. We're going to nourish the right things. We're going to guard and keep out the the bad things, the wrong things. We're going to watch our speech. And then there's three more verses we're going to look at. And we're going to look at them together. And we're going to look at how we can weigh the weight of our decisions. In verse 25, it it says this, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked and keep your feet from following evil. You can look at these three verses and you see that there's a bunch of overlap and there's this repetition. So look straight ahead, fix your eyes. Make a straight path and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. There's this constant comparison of, hey, there is is a destination that you need to be going towards. There's a path that you need to mark out. And as we look at that, we, we look at that in comparison to the other verses where it's talking about guarding our values because they determine the course of our life. And here is is a king passing down wisdom to the next generation saying, hey, what we want to do is we want to examine our values. We want to guard those because that's going to determine the course of our life. And once we determine those values, we don't want to get sidetracked. We don't want to go to the left or to the right. We don't want to just go down a path of evil. We want to mark out a path that's going to get us directly there. And I find it interesting as we contrast this, because I think that sometimes the tendency in, a, in what I see so often is for us to sometimes do reckless things because I only live once. Or uh, I've seen other people say, well, I don't know. We, we don't know when our time to go is, so I just got to live. And, and as if it gives us a license to live maybe recklessly. But he uses the same rationale and says, because we only live once, Because life is short, we should weigh our decisions carefully. Because we only get one chance, let's make wise, calculated decisions. And it's not a call to overanalyze or worry about whether we're going to make the right or wrong decision. Simply put, 
as believers, we're looking to upgrade our wisdom. We need to recognize that our decisions have an impact. My post on social media has an impact. What I say to other people has an impact. How I speak to my children, how I speak to my spouse, kids and teenagers, the way you speak to your parents has an impact. So what what does it look like for us to be a church and a community that recognizes that we need to guard our values? Well, we have a set of values. We have somebody who has shown us the way. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Paul writes and he says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do, do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? And so there's this call where Paul is saying, hey, th- this is not this moment where you need to examine other people. Like, I know I'm okay, but I've seen some of the people over there. No, this is a, this is a challenge for us to examine our own hearts. And in John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So when we look at our values and we say, what is that, that path that we should mark out? We look to Jesus Christ as the author and finisher of our faith. And we set our eyes on him and on his word. And we say, God, I'm going to cultivate the right things in my life. And I'm going to guard my heart. And I'm going to be careful to, to take care of offenses and uh, to forgive when I need to forgive because I'm going to set my eyes on you. So I just want to close here. And maybe there's some of you here today who are just kind of coming in and you're saying, hey, I, I, I know that there's a lot of areas in my life where I'm feeling good and my heart's okay, but there are just some areas where I know my soul is not doing okay. Some areas where if we sat down and we said, how's your heart doing? We could have a pretty big discussion. And I just want to pray for you. I want to speak into that, just speak life and healing and wholeness and know that, hey, if there's even things that go beyond this and you're saying, hey, as a, as a church, what do you guys have? We have lots of resources that we'd be able to help you out with that. If, if you're saying, hey, I need something that, that's going to go deeper than, than a prayer. And so if that's you today and you're, you're just saying, yeah, my heart needs some help today. You just put your hand over your heart, and I'd love to just pray for you right now. Let's just close our eyes all across this place, and online, you can follow along as well. That, God, we would take this moment, and we, have, we are examining our hearts. God, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. You have something special for us. You have something significant. So, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. Lord, for the hearts that are hurting right now, God. And I have no doubt that there are a lot of things that have gone on in people's lives and it's, it has been hurtful. And it, it's not because they took things the wrong way. It's because they've just been plain hurtful. And so, Lord, I pray for healing and we pray for restoration, God. I don't want to make a light of of some situations that have been incredibly difficult. And God, would we guard our heart? Lord, just in moments where it's so easy to be anger, 
angry, to, to be jealous, to take offense, Lord, would you touch our hearts and our minds, God? Be with us. I also want to pray just for people who maybe have never had a relationship with Jesus before. Or maybe you've walked away and you realize that you want to turn your heart back to God. It says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so maybe you've been examining your values based off of your own life and your own living and your own lived experiences. And today, this is just a call for you if you're saying, yeah, I, I'm tired of living that way and I've been chasing the temporary and the trivial. And today, I just want to give my heart to God. I want to surrender that to him for the first time. Or maybe you need to recommit your life. I just want to lead you in a prayer as well. It doesn't have to be exactly what I say, but we want to just invite Jesus into our life. So Father God, for those who want to commit their hearts to, the, to you for the first time, God, we just pray that there would be a surrendering. Would you forgive us of our sins? Thank you that you are faithful to forgive and restore. We surrender our life, our way of doing things, our set values, and Lord, we pick up your word to show us the way. We thank you for this in your precious name. Amen. Hey, church, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you for coming on out. We are excited that you are here. Hey, looking forward to the rest of the summer. Hey, God bless you. If you guys have any questions or you need prayer, feel free to come on over to the front. We'd love to pray for you. But have a great Sunday. Looking forward to seeing you.